Hi, this is Jenna. And this is Kelly. And you're listening to ODFM. This episode is one decimation from murder. So this story is about Hella Crafts. Hella. Hella. I'm like, that's a sweet name. She's Danish. So Hella. Oh, her her name is Hella. Okay. I'm like, like Hella good? Like what? Yeah, she's Hella good. Hella. Hella. So she was an only child born in Denmark in 1947. She spent her childhood in a small village north of Denmark. So Hella was a vibrant, outgoing child who enjoyed school. Well, maybe it was different in Denmark. <laughs> maybe it was fun. She enjoyed school, and with her happy disposition, she made friends easily. That's always helpful. Oh. She continued to be well-liked as an adult, and she had a natural ability to learn languages quickly. Languages? My kids aren't even learning cursive. They don't know how to sign their names. It's, Isn't it awful? They can't read greeting cards. I know. It's, I know. I write stuff to them, and they're like, I can't read that, Mom. I can't read that. I, oh, my God. Seriously. It's, what is going on? Hella oh, yeah. didn't have that right. problem. Yeah, so during her Hella teen, had this shit Hella, Hella, Hella was hella good. She was hella so, good. So, yeah, she learned French, English, and was also able to understand German, Norwegian, and Swedish by her teen years. Damn, <laughs> that's face. impressive. Holy crap. I'm, I'm lucky if I understand, like, Amigo. And I'm like, oh, I know that one. I know how to ask where the bathroom is. Yes, that's very right? important. And um, so. So I, yeah, so those I remember in like Spanish and then mm-hmm. my only French came from Disney movies. <laughs> poisson, le poisson. We did that exactly. one before, yes. Le poisson and um, Sacre Bleu in Vedas. Unless those come up, right. Unless those come up in everyday conversation. And you're screwed. Yeah. I am, right? So. So, but Hella didn't have those problems. She went to college in England and later worked as a nanny in France. She's like wow. worldwide. So when she reached her 20s, she turned heads with her high cheekbones, blonde hair, nice figure, and engaging smile. So she was cute, too. She wow. got all of the things covered. She is the full package. She is the yes. hella package. She's the hella package. Ooh. While living in France, Hella landed a job as a stewardess for Capital Airways. Do you hear my dog? I do hear your dog. He's got things to say. He's got opinions about this story. <laughs> the only thing he barks at. Anytime is the cats. It's bizarre. Like he, he'll, there's dogs barking on every side of our house all the time, and he just sits there. But the cats, like, you should play with me. You should play with me, right in their face. And of course, the cat's like, fuck off, right? Jesus, nothing makes me want to play more than you barking in my face, right in my face. <laughs> God. Okay, I think he's done. All right. So anyway, she was a stewardess for Capital Airways. Chick had it going on. She loved the adventure of flying around the world and discovering new places. Like, I wish I could have done that at that age, but I would throw up every time I flew. Oh, that's a problem. No, nobody wants a stewardess that's going to be. Excuse me, sir. Do you need some what? <laughs> that would have been me. So how did you lose your job? Well, <laughs> it was my first flight. <laughs> I kept puking on everybody. <laughs> I figured out what was wrong. So now I don't oh do that anymore. Yes. <laughs> but when she heard that Pan Am was looking for stewardesses in Copenhagen, she quickly applied for the position. She okay. was one of eight applicants selected out of a group of 200. Damn. I know. So she was qualified. Hella for lucky. Hella lucky. Maybe her hella cuteness helped, but I don't know. She was sent to Miami for her training. I mean, of all the places. Yeah, darn. Yeah. Oh, you had to go to Miami for training. Aww. Aww. I know. So this is how she made it to America, I guess. So while in Miami, she stayed at a small, comfortable motel near the airport used by many airline employees, stewardesses, and pilots. So this is when stewardesses were just stewardesses. There weren't stewardesses. Stewardesses, right. Right. So all female. Or flight attendants. It was just... Just, just pretty stewardesses and pretty girls. high heels and oh, tight skirts, tight trying little skirts, trying to bend over through those right, the narrow aisles. You Ugh. know, and the motel was full of young co-workers. People often had romantic hookups, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Single stewardesses were often attracted to their pilot counterparts, and Ooh. many trysts were had. I mean, of course, you know, ooh, it's kind of like the nurses oh, and yeah. doctors thing. Yeah. Exactly. So in May of 1969, my son would be like, 69. <sighs> don't know your son, you. He, what are you talking about, well, your that's, son? Well, I, I, yeah, I don't know where he gets it. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know where don't he know. picked that up. So in May of 1969, Hella was waiting at the motel for a flight, and she mad. No, she wasn't mad. She met a man. <laughs> she met a man named Richard, who was 31 at the time, and she was just 22. Ooh. A little bit of a difference there. Age Should difference there. Mm. Yeah. Richard Crafts was a young, somewhat scruffy-looking pilot who wore his hair unkempt that was somehow appealing to the ladies. That said, I, I thought they had to all look pretty, like yeah, dapper together. or what have you, right? Especially at that time. But this is the '60s, so maybe it was okay. Know, so they're starting love. to relax. He was, yeah, he was copying the Beatles. He had the yeah, yeah, had the scruffy look, right? Okay. Mm. Unlike the stereotypical pilots, he was rough around the edges, and he was just five foot eight with a medium frame. Seemed pretty ordinary compared to most men in the business, but. Hmm. Yeah, women found something about him attractive, maybe because maybe just because he was the, <laughs> right, yeah. he, and he was the different one. That could be. That's right? often like like the rocker is always kind of a yeah. Right, right, mm -hmm. okay. He never he was never left without a woman by his side. Damn. He dated stewardesses almost exclusively, and loved telling exaggerated stories about his past which included a questionable stint in the CIA and alleged combat in Indochina. I think he was like, uh, what? Making shit up. Yeah, I think he made shit up, mm. basically. It's mm -hmm. like, I've done everything in my life. Mm -hmm. So Richard, he'd been born in New York City in 1937. He had two older sisters. His dad, John, was a super successful businessman in Manhattan. And the family did so well that they moved to an affluent community in Connecticut. John, Richard's father, was a former World War I pilot and a college football player. So, like, a, did everything, major, awesome dude. Okay. And he must have seemed like a hard act to follow for young Richard. But his father tried to give him every opportunity he could, and Richard was sent to a private school, but he didn't excel. Oh. And he tried college for a bit, but soon dropped out and ended up joining the Marines in 1956. Okay. So in the military, Richard naturally gravitated towards aviation since his dad had kind of done it. So okay. he, he became a pro at flying helicopters and he quickly found his calling, became certified as a pilot in the late fifties. As a pilot, he never struggled to find work because they're always looking for pilots. Oh, good. So he began making a comfortable living all on his own merit without having to rely on his dad. Good for him. Though he was fairly busy with work, he made sure to enjoy a fulfilling social life as well. <laughs> yeah, of course yes. he did. Oh, Richard. So when Richard crosses paths with Hella, he was already engaged to someone else. Oh, yeah. Whoops. But oh. Hella was so taken with him that she continued to see him despite knowing he had relationships with other women. Oh. She, yeah. I think it might have been kind of a casual oh. hookup. Uh, oh. Yeah. And so they kind of continued this casual relationship over the next few years. And few years? How long few was he years. engaged? Yeah, I don't know. That, maybe he finally broke yeah, it off. Yeah, maybe they like... finally broke it off. I don't know. But wow. he was still dating other women, too, at the time. Damn. Well, that bride dodged the bullet. <laughs> no shit. She really did. <laughs> okay. Hella's friends were so openly hostile towards Richard that, <laughs> that they stopped going out with them wow. and they couldn't understand her attraction to him when she was so obviously adorable and could have any dude she wanted. Hmm. Hmm. Her friends are like, red flags, red flags. She's like, no, oh he's great. In 1975, Hella found out she was pregnant with Richard's child. So mm -hmm. later that year... Things are about to get interesting. They're starting to get interesting. The couple married in New Hampshire... And they bought a ranch home in the city of New Newtown, Connecticut. We've heard that. Okay. Sad name before Newtown, the massacres. Right? <gasps> the little babies. No. Was that no, Newtown? No, that was, um, oh, thank God. Was it? I don't know. But I, I got Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook, you're right. Where was How Sandy? did you get Newtown from Sandy Hook? I don't know. There was something that happened in Newtown. Oh. Maybe it was Other, this. 
Maybe maybe it was this. (laughs) What is it that I'm thinking of? Oh, the story I'm telling. (laughs) (laughs) Probably this. I don't know where I got that shit. Something terrible happened there. I'm trying to think of what it is. (laughs) Oh, yes. It's this story I've been researching all week. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I got it. Oh, shit. So over the years, Hella gave birth to two more children by Richard. And life seemed to be going along well. She wanted to return to the job she loved. So she decided to hire a nanny. Dawn Marie Thomas. And she was 19. So the couple's away a lot for work. And together, their income exceeded $125,000 a year. This was like early 80s. Yeah, that's, wow. That's a lot. Okay. So it put them in the top 5% of wage earners in the U.S. Damn. Richard was in charge of the family finances and invested heavily in his side passion, collecting oh. guns. Oh. oh! Red flags, red flags, red flags. Oh, God. Okay. So while signal, Richard had already amassed a healthy arsenal. Everyone should have a healthy arsenal. <laughs> I, your arsenal looks weak. <laughs> You haven't been feeding it white. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. But after the combined income inflated his wallet, he purchased a home with the space he needed to store his collection. Good Lord. He had an entire section of the home just for that? Just for this. He owned several shotguns, dozens of handguns, semi-automatics, crossbows, hand grenades, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. Hand grenades? What do you do with hand grenades? What do you need hand grenades for? <laughs> I don't you can't get disarm it. them anyway. I mean, well, I guess... You know, I mean, when the pin's in them, but... What kind of fun are we having with hand grenades? I, I don't understand. I, I <laughs> Get mean, those little snap pops, dude. Yeah. <laughs> those it's are much more thing. fun. It's the same, same thing. thing. You put them around a toilet, like the lid of a toilet, or not mm. a lid, but like the toilet bowl, <gasps> and then you put their... You put the, you put the toilet really, seat down really so softly. that when somebody sits. <gasps> yeah. Genius. I mean, you I tried. haven't done it. You haven't done that. I um, haven't. No, I, I honestly haven't, but I did see it on... Uh, like some kind of it must have been on tiktok or practical <gasps> joke something i'm totally gonna do that beautiful. to the boys in their bathroom <laughs> maybe for middle of the night fun there you go middle okay. of the night fun. <laughs> oh, God, okay. except they would lift it to pee in it probably right so you have to wait until they're uh ready to yeah so let's see all of his rounds of ammunition and armory was enough for a small army he spent <laughs> hours each week cleaning polishing and arranging his arsenal like, how much fun <laughs> I don't get it. Okay. It doesn't make sense for fun for me, but okay. No, I, I don't get it. But what I understand okay. going to shoot him. He just doesn't sound like he went to go shoot him. He just like. No, it's like a coin collection, but. I'm going to go rub my coins. Yeah. What? Rub your coins? Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Dad's in there. Don't go in there. <laughs> He's rubbing his coins again. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Whenever there was a gun show in town, Richard would be scouring the aisles, always buying more for his collection. Oh, good. Ah, So if his obsession with guns wasn't concerning, the trouble brewing in his marriage was. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Poor Hella. She had facial bruising that couldn't be hidden without makeup. (gasps) Oh. started showing up. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of her friends later told the police that Hella was physically abused by her husband and she knew about it. This same friend also said that Hella was saddened by the way Richard treated her during their, her first pregnancy and said, quote, she would never forgive Richard for what he had put her through, unquote. And yet still got pregnant two more times and stayed. Oh, my stayed. God. I know. Oi. Oi. After the kids were born, Richard would disappear for days at a time, never say where he was, and he'd simply pack his bags and leave. Okay. Oh, cool. Right when you bring a newborn home? That's... Mm-hmm. Thanks. You're so helpful. I would have locked the door and not let him back yes. in. Yes. <laughs> that would have been, been like, the way to do it. Right. Yeah. Oh, you've left? Good. Don't come back. Mm-hmm. Please don't come back. Several days later, he would return. Hella never knew if he was away on business at a gun show or with someone else. Probably nope. with someone nope. else. Nope. Yeah. nope. 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 Since he controlled all the money in the family, he made Hella pay for all the house expenses while he spent money on anything he pleased. Wait. Any of her income was spent on the kids, the the food, the house, laundry, all that kind of shit. Probably the babysitter. Wow. He liked to spend his money 
on a variety of landscaping equipment, tractors, mowers, and a $25,000 backhoe, which he never used. What? So now he, he collects lawn equipment too? I, that one I've never heard. I, I, I don't agree with the gun collecting, but I, I, I know people who do it or, you know, that people do it. I have never heard of people who, who collect lawn equipment. No. And Let me show you my display of hose. <laughs> that's a whole different kind of equipment. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> that's, that's downtown equipment. <laughs> so his front yard was a mishmash of rusting, broken machines and considered what? an eyesore by his neighbors. Like he never used them. He just bought them and would put them outside. What the hell? I don't know. I don't get he's, it. He's a redneck in Connecticut? What? I guess. <laughs> he's like a hoarder of <laughs> They're up on blocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rusting away. <laughs> Someday I'm gonna fix this. Oh my god! Um, so it always seemed from the outside that their house either needed work or was always in the state of repairs. You know, getting how long is this done. rebuild gonna take? Like, <laughs> Jesus, been remodeling for like six years straight now. <laughs> oh no, that's Richard's collection. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh my god! But in 1982, despite his work as a pilot and the mess at his house, Richard became an auxiliary police officer in Newtown. He wasn't paid for his time, but he enjoyed the feeling of power and authority the position put him in. So, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. He would often hang out at the police station, even when he wasn't on duty, and sometimes responded to police calls without authorization. What? <laughs> Did you do that? No. He's like, yes, I'm powerful. So, oh, and this is even better. In 1986, he was hired as a policeman in the nearby town of Southbury. He made $7 an hour. So, I mean, he actually got the job this time. He's not just volunteering. But he took his new job almost obsessively seriously. He bought a Ford Crown Victoria, the same type of car the Connecticut (laughs) State Police use. He outfitted it with his own money with radios, antennas, police lights, and a siren. So he made himself a fake police car. Oh, my God. He is a big yeah. dork. He's a total doofus. Oh, my. He's like um, Paul Blart Mall Cop mall or whatever. Cop, yes. Right? Where he goes like, right? Like, he just, you're taking this way too seriously, man. <laughs> Dude, like, just chill out. Or at the beginning of 21 Jump Street, the movie, where they're, like, taking oh the guys God. down and they hop on bikes. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's this guy. He's super into it. That's what I'm picturing. Oh, my God. Um, And during all of this time, from the beginning of his marriage right up until 1986, Richard continued to see other women. How? He obviously wasn't picking them up while he was playing macho pretend cop. I don't know. Because that is a huge turn off. Oh, it's really gross. Yeah. Work in the mall again, baby. (laughs) I want to come by on my shift. And why? When he has this super well-paying job as a pilot. Right? But I guess he wanted that. He wanted to be able to carry a gun all the time, maybe. Oh, my God. Okay. So, Hella apparently was unaware. No, she was aware of his indiscretions, but tolerated it, perhaps because mm. of the kids or maybe to keep up appearances, although with their house looking like a junkyard, I don't know what kind of appearances she's trying to keep up. But Hella was not happy in the marriage, and she openly spoke about divorce with her friends. Okay, not surprised. Not surprised. Finally, in the summer of 1986, she hired a divorce attorney. And later, that divorce attorney suggested, you know, you might want to get an investigator, private PI, to kind of research what what Richard's been up to. So she did. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. So the PI's name was Keith Mayo, Mayo, yes, who was a former Connecticut cop. And he was going to dig up on Richard. So Mayo followed Richard to New Jersey. He was a real one, right? He was a real one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just checking. <laughs> he was an auxiliary or whatever. <laughs> right. So Mayo followed Richard to New Jersey and stamped photos of him making out with another flight attendant outside her home. At least he didn't waver from exclusively dating flight attendants. Yeah, you know, he still had a he still had a good uh, amount of flight attendants that he could pick through. <laughs> So, Hella soon began divorce proceedings against her husband. Good for her. On November 18th of 1986, a friend dropped Hella off at the house she shared with Richard. She had just returned from a long flight from Germany. That night, an angry snowstorm hit the area like a big bad one. The next morning, Richard said he's taking Hella and 
their kids to his sister's house in Westport. But when they showed up, Hella wasn't with the family. is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. In fact, every time I travel, it gets exhausting through the airport because you're like toting different things. You got bags slung over your back. It's a pain in the ass. This is amazing because they literally hook up together so you can even have like a train of bags and pull it all by yourself without anyone else helping. So we are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, that's P-O-D-1-0, or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on, time to get going. So on the night of November 18th, 1986, an unusually severe winter storm hit central Connecticut. My dog is barking again. He doesn't like the storm. He doesn't like the storm. Driving conditions were difficult throughout the late evening and grew worse as the storm lingered over the Newtown area. Snow and sleet blanketed the countryside while gusty winds knocked down trees and utility lines. Electricity went out in the area for several hours during the night. And in the nearby town of Southbury, public highway employees were called in to snowplow and lay salt down on the icy roads. Oh boy. It's a bad one. I hate those kind. Sometimes I like them because you don't have to go to work. Right. Like that part's nice. But now that we can do everything remotely, there won't be an excuse. Nope. sucks. We will have no excuses. For the next few days and nights, snowplows and sanders work continuously to keep the roads clean. One of the town's utility men, Joseph Hine, began working late in the night of November 20th, 1986, working on dropping sand on the roadways and clearing snow from others. He worked throughout the night while snow and sleet continued to fall, and as soon as he passed the intersection of South Flat Hill Road at about 3.30 a.m., he saw a truck parked off the side of the road. He described it as a box van, like a U-Haul. Its lights were off, and the doors were closed. But as he crept closer on the icy roads, Joseph saw that the truck had a wood chipper attached to the back. In the middle of a winter storm? In the middle of the night. Although, in Fargo... I remember they were in the middle of the snow with the wood chipper. So I wonder where Fargo got this idea. Oh, snap. (laughs) Yes. Oh, snap. Okay. As he crept closer, yeah, he saw that wood chipper. And as he passed the U-Haul, he saw a man standing near the driver's door and then suddenly begin to walk to the back of the truck. And he's motioning for Joseph to pass him, like, keep going. I'm good. Keep going. So Joseph continued plowing. Two hours later, at about 5.30 a.m., Joseph is coming down, plowing the opposite side of the road, coming back okay. that same way. As he passed the area, he had seen the truck. The same U-Haul was still there. He didn't see anyone around the truck or the wood chipper, but as he passed it, he noticed something different this time. He saw the back of the truck was open, and he could see what looked like wood chips inside. He also saw wood chips on the road, and he thought it's pretty freaking weird. Someone's wood chipping in the middle of the night and in the middle of a bad storm. Right, yeah. So obviously it stuck out to him in his mind, and he didn't forget it. Over the next few weeks, when Hella's friends tried to reach her, Richard provided a variety of stories as to why Hella wasn't available. One was told that she was visiting her mother in Denmark, and another that she was in the Canary Islands with friends. If I was the friends, I'd be like, why didn't the bitch invite me? <laughs> don't know where my invite went, but. Right. But, and, and even told others that, I don't know where she's off at. She's just gone. <laughs> she, just, <laughs> she just left. I don't know. But the PI that Hella had hired, Keith Mayo, he was convinced that Richard was involved in her disappearance somehow. He heard about her disappearance. He's like, all these people are looking for her and nobody's reported her missing. That's really Interesting. weird. Interesting. Also, she hasn't paid me yet. So. Yeah, <laughs> I need to track her down. Right. 
So on December 1st of 1986, he called the Newtown Police Department and he told them his suspicions about Richard and that he thought he probably killed his wife. Oh, boy. He was insistent that the police investigate the matter immediately. But they're like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't feel pushed to do anything. <laughs> that was their official <laughs> response. <laughs> he kept insisting, like, nobody's seen her since November 19th. And later, her car was found in an employee parking lot at the Kennedy Airport. Police are still like, eh. <laughs> she, she's a stewardess. She, she's a, she went flying. Went on a flight. So, yeah, they're not as as motivated to investigate Hella's disappearance since it's missing. It's the Christmas season. It's we got Christmas. We, we got, got stuff to buy. To there's wrapping. I mean, there's there's a lot going on right yeah, now. Yeah, okay? so. we can't put our mind into that. That's too much work. Oh, yeah, this is why they said they didn't want to investigate it. Missing persons reports are a common occurrence, and the overwhelming majority usually turn up safe with time. Great. I feel... Thanks. I feel like you really care. Wow. I feel so loved. I'm so glad you guys have a specific department just to deal with this. Because... Well, and they also said, like, a battered wife leaving her husband? That's not questionable. So they didn't prioritize it. But they did tell Mayo, eh, we'll look into it. Meh. Meh. Maybe after Christmas. I don't know. (laughs) Then there's New Year's, so I don't know. True. Mm. There's a lot to do. I don't know. There's too many parties. My calendar is full. (laughs) But on December 2nd of 1986, after Mayo kept pushing them, the detectives finally went and interviewed Richard, the husband, who confirmed he hadn't seen his wife since mid-November. I don't know. She traveled. I don't know. He told them. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's the theme of this story. Right. He told them that the night before she left, she was happy and didn't seem upset. He said when he had awoken in the morning, Hella was gone, even though the couple's plan had been to go to his sister's house in Westport because they had no power because of the storm. I haven't seen her since then. I don't know what so, happened. So she she disappeared in the middle of the night when there was a really bad storm. He didn't know where she was. So he decided to go chip some wood. <laughs> and uh, Right. And But, you know, whatevs. Haven't seen yeah. her. It's been like... Two weeks or whatever, and meh. Meh. Not okay. worried. But when interviewing friends of Hella, investigators found that all friends, co-workers, and neighbors could agree with one aspect of her disappearance. Hella was a devoted mother who would never have left her small children without work. Mm-hmm. They also told the police that many different excuses Richard had given them for her disappearance. And they mentioned that Hella had told them a lot of them, that she wanted to divorce her husband as soon as humanly possible. Mm. Yeah, you know, rookie mistake. You always, one story and stick to it. I mean, come on. Right, for everybody. Please. Don't change your stupid story, Richard. (sighs) One friend that Richard had told that Hella was in Denmark visiting her sick mother in the hospital actually found her mother's phone number and called her mother in Denmark. Turns out she is in good health and didn't expect to see Hella until the following April. Ooh. So upset by the lie and Hella's disappearance, she went to the police with a disturbing quote from Hella. In early November, Hella had told this friend, if anything happens to me, don't assume it was an accident. Whenever somebody says that, I have never heard a report of somebody saying that who did not then go missing. I know, right? (laughs) She knew something was happening. So when Don Thomas, the couple's nanny, was interviewed... She told them that on the morning of November 19th, Richard had awakened her early and said that Hella was driving to his sister's house in Westport and they would all meet her there later. So Don thought that was weird because the bad storm had hit during the middle of the night. Yeah. Oh, so she's just going to go by herself in the car early. Okay. Visibility is terrible, but oh, right. right. That's normal. So Richard woke up his kids at about 630, loaded them in the car with Don and drove them all to his sister's house. So he dropped them all off and left pretty darn quickly. He's like, I'm out. Well, I got to go find mom because she right. was here by herself hours She's ago and not didn't make it. here. Yeah. And those Hella supposedly left before them, she didn't arrive at his sister's house. It's really odd. Yeah. And Richard didn't even come back to his sister's house until about 7 p.m. that night. He was gone a long time. Wow. Hmm. 
later, when Don asked Richard where Hella was, he simply said, yeah, I don't know. Meh. What? <laughs> Why bother even making excuses if you're just going to go, meh? Like, what? <laughs> the next day, when Don asked the same question again, he told her that, oh, yeah, Hella left for Denmark to care for her sick mom. I must have forgotten. In the middle of the storm. Because <laughs> yeah. flights were taking off. Oh, absolutely. So when they got back to the couple's house, Don noticed pieces of carpet in the master bedroom were cut out. Oh, that's normal. Weird. What happened? And she asked him what happened. He's like, oh, I spilled kerosene on it. It needed to be replaced. So I cut it out. What? What? I assume he's saying the kerosene because he said that the power went out at their house. Oh, okay. So So emergency lighting. Okay. Use a lamp. (laughs) So he just cut chunks of carpet out? he cut chunks of carpet. It out. Yeah, because that doesn't look weird at all. It would have been more like, oh, at the last minute, we decided to replace the carpeting in the bedroom in the middle of a storm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, OK, OK. I, it, it, it just there's no excuse uh, that makes sense. So with all this new info, investigators were now interested in trying to find Hella. They're like, oh, oh wait a minute. Maybe there is something here. The, the office party, the office Christmas party was over. So they're <laughs> like, all right, we got all time. All right, we have time. So they asked Richard to take a lie detector test. And he did. He took the test on December 4th and passed it. Because he's psychotic. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> what I would say. So Newtown investigators are like, that's good. Oh, God. So, <laughs> we checked him we, we did our work, didn't we? We did our work. And they believed them, patting themselves oh, on the back. We, they really did believe they that. patted themselves on the back. <laughs> we did such a good job investigating this one. <sighs> but they felt that Richard was genuinely genuine and didn't know where his wife was. So, But also keep in mind, these were officers that he had worked with. Right, right, right. The case was then passed on to the state police. There we go. Yes, thank goodness. Because they're like, we did such a good job. You guys should look at this. Mm-hmm. So despite his passing the lie detector test, the state police felt there was something odd about a pilot who enjoyed playing a part-time cop and who rode around in a fake police car. <laughs> There's That's something sus, wrong. really? Hmm. We're going to look into this weirdo. So they carefully listened to Hella's friends who constantly called to know what was being done to find her. They were concerned. Richard never did call. Hmm. Weird. Mm. So they decided to bring Richard back into the station for another interview. Oh, good for them. Yay. So these guys really probably should pat themselves on the back. Hey there, Killer Babes here. We explore the places you've been, the places you want to go, and the places you'll never want to go again. And we are Killer Locale. Join us on this creepy road trip of murder and mayhem. On December 11th, Richard was working his police job on the night shift. He's still doing that part-time. And he was exhausted from all this extra work. Uh, yes. He was like, bang, bang, woo, you know, like a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> so investigators asked his department, hey, could you send Richard over to our station? We have some questions. There you go. Okay. When questioned, they asked if he knew his wife had hired a P.I., and that the PI had documented his relationship with another woman. Ooh. What? No. <laughs> um, a what? And then they um, asked him, so what happened to the rug in your master bedroom? He's like, oh. So he tells him the same story. He told Don that he. Oh, at least he kept the story. Yeah, at least this time he's like, oh, maybe I should keep my story straight. So, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I spilled kerosene. Need to replace it all. Had to all come out. And they're like, yeah, but. Why did you take it out in pieces instead of mm-hmm. like taking the whole thing out? And right. he's like, he, he's like, oh, cut it out two feet at a time because it's way easier to carry out that way. Hmm. I wouldn't mm. think that was a lot more trips outside. I, I don't know. Right? I, that sounds and harder to I, me. I, mm. Okay. When asked what he did with it, he's like, oh, yeah, I dumped it in the landfill uh, a week earlier. 
But it seemed like whatever questions they shot at him, he always seemed to have an answer right away. Mm. He was on it. And he was never caught in all-out lies, but more of something like half-truths. Ah. So he didn't seem like a man whose wife had vanished when he was in there, but rather completely carefree. I don't have any cares in the world. So they became more convinced than ever that Richard had something to do with her disappearance. But without a body, they couldn't be sure. Mm. So Keith Mayo, the PI, he wasn't satisfied of washing his hands of the case after handing off to the officials, seeing that they're like, meh. So (laughs) good for him. So he decided to keep looking into the matter. He met with friends and attorneys getting advice and opinions on the case, and he decided to find evidence himself. So when he learned about the rug that Richard had tossed out at the dump, he went to search for the pieces. With the help of the local trash pickup crew, they were able to figure out that Newtown's trash had been taken to the Canterbury dump about two hours away. So he grabs a bunch of helpers, and for the next several days, they picked through the mountains of trash at the dump. I can't imagine him asking his friends, hey, you busy this weekend? Yeah, what do you got in mind? Want to go pick through the dump? Yeah. yeah. You know, I totally forgot. Uh, I'm moving. I got, I got plans. <laughs> exactly. I have, I have things to do. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, God. Yeah, so after gagging on stinking mounds for endless hours, <laughs> that crew found a portion of rug that matched what they were looking for. Ooh. It even had stains on it that looked suspiciously like blood. So they took, they took the scrap to a police lab led by one of the country's foremost forensic scientists, Dr. Henry C. Lee. The press soon caught wind of the story of the missing suburban mom, finally. And finally. Finally, and pressure began mounting on police to find Hella. <laughs> to maybe do something? Do something. Eh. As they, what are you doing about this? Meh. <laughs> We're, oh, gotcha. Okay. It's important then. So the investigation was set back when Dr. Lee reported on his findings of the rug. None Uh-oh. of the stains proved to be blood. And with the pressure from the media and Hell's friends, though, detectives decided to amp up their investigations into Richard. It wasn't blood? It wasn't blood. Maybe it was kerosene. Huh. But also, it could have been a different rug. That's what <gasps> I was thinking. I was like, maybe it wasn't. It looked like their rug, but it could right. have been other could rug. Have been, yeah. Mm, okay. Or it could have been a different piece of it. Ugh, right. That's, that's true. Okay. When investigators looked into Richard, they found some interesting purchases prior to Hella's disappearance. Oh, Christmas presents? Um, um, possibly weird ones, like a okay. large capacity freezer. Oh, yeah, well, because she liked to buy in bulk at Costco and freeze things, right? So that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> but they did already have a freezer, but this one was large, larger capacity. So maybe they wanted a, a full deer in it or right, something. Right, exactly. You never know. And he had also rented some type of machinery, which had cost $900. Why would he rent it? He's got all kinds of machinery in his front yard. <laughs> he should have just Was it not it. something he wanted to collect? <laughs> Why did you not want to collect this piece? Why hmm. did you want to give it back after you used it? Hmm. Hmm. So police are like, hey, I wonder what type of machinery costs that much to rent. That must be something heavy. Dude. Yeah, that's a, that's a hefty price tag for something Especially you rent. Especially for the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So... Police were able to procure a search warrant of Richard's home on Christmas Day of 1986. They had heard he was down in Florida with his kids. So they were like, this sounds like a good time to go. I'm glad it wasn't like on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve when the kids were there and they had to like search the house and like open the presents in front of them. They're like, sorry, we're going to have to. Sorry, we're going to have to. Oh, God. (laughs) The kids are all crying. That's my gun. Daddy got me a special gun this year. When they entered, they found the home in a complete disarray. Furniture and clothes were strewn about. Dishes were piled unwashed in the sink, on the countertops, and even on the floor. Were they at my house? I know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Whoops. This is the wrong one. I was talking about your house. I forgot. (laughs) Carpets were already gone. A freezer was found and searched, but nobody was inside. This, however, was the family's old freezer. The new freezer wasn't anywhere to be found that they had found the receipt for. Hmm. Hmm. But police also found the weapons cache, and they carefully logged each piece in case how it would many, later turn up as a How many weapon. days did that take? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, what's it got the, the armory? Uh, but luminol tests in a variety of places around the house tested positive for blood. Mm. Later, towels that had been seized also tested positive for blood. 
and the blood type was O positive, which was the same as Hella's. What are the odds? Yeah. Still, with all of this, though, there wasn't enough evidence to oh, come on. prove that she had been <laughs> murdered. Right. So during the search, Richard, yeah, had taken his kids down to Florida for the holidays. And after the search, investigators learned what the $900 rental charge was for. It was for a wood chipper. Hmm. In the middle of December. In the middle of December. Really? It costs that much to rent a wood chipper? I, That's insane. Yes, it's a <laughs> lot. It's a lot. That's and crazy. Is that for one day or was it because it was overnight? It costs more. You know how you can get things hourly and right. it's way cheaper. Exactly. If I if I have it at 3 a.m., is there like an <laughs> off hours rate I could do? Can or... I do a middle of the night rate? Right. Exactly. Is it cheaper in those hours? Ooh. Joseph Hine, the snow blower driver guy. <laughs> Snowplow yes. driver. Yes. Yes. He was found and he was able to show them exactly where the U-Haul had been parked on that stormy night with the wood chipper. The area was alongside the Housatonic, Housatonic River, Housatonic, okay. called Lake Zor. Sounds like someplace in a Lake Zor Marvel there, comic. There is no Dana, only Zul. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally! Oh, Ghostbusters, <laughs> only Zulu. <laughs> Lake Zor. So, along the banks of the river, piles of wood chips could be seen. One detective got down on his hands and knees to sift through some of the material. Some of the scraps were pieces of paper, some mail, and through a little scrap of plastic, your face, an envelope window, he could plainly read a name, Miss Hella L. Crafts. So it's like an envelope scrap. He's like, what the hell? Right. Okay. But within an hour, a team descended on the scene because they were like, okay, there's something here. Every inch was scoured for evidence. Along with more mail was hel- with Hella's name on him, they also found blonde hair, <gasps> teeny tiny bone fragments, a tooth, fabric, plastic, and wood chips. Oh God. oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. The wood chipper used that night was secured and towed to the lab to be examined. So since this is on the bank of a lake and a river, police diving team searched the crime scene for days in both directions. And I mean, this is midwinter, freaking cold. Oh, God. Because the water was so cold, divers couldn't stay in the water long. So police lowered the water level by restricting flow through the dam upriver. Oh, wow. Kind of amazing. So divers continued their search. They found a chainsaw, a human toe. Oh, God. A fragment of a finger. By the end of the strenuous stretch, they found 2,660 strands of blonde hair. They counted each strand? They counted each (laughs) strand. Of hair, 69 slivers of human bone, two teeth, Ugh. a piece of a human skull, three, oh, this is the worst, three ounces of human tissue, <clears throat> a portion of a finger, one fingernail, and a portion of a toenail. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Gross, gross, gross. Yeah. Forensics lab studied the chainsaw and found that serial number had been scratched off. Minute bits of hair, human tissue, and fabric were found in the teeth of the chainsaw. (laughs) (laughs) The fabric matched a sleeping gown that Hella loved. (sighs) Though the serial number was scratched away, the scientists were able to use a chemical solution that ate away the upper levels of the metal, revealing the numbers deeper in the metal. Dang. The number was obvious, and it matched the warranty card signed by Richard Crafts. See, I'll never get caught that way because I never remember to send in my warranties. <laughs> You're safe. That's <laughs> true. Damn it, it broke again. Oh, I forgot to send in my warranty. Never mind. Or I never even realized that it was under warranty and I throw it away. And I know. It. I throw and it away or I have it and I save it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then it's found like forever mm-hmm. later, buried in a pile. I'm like, I don't even know what that is anymore. I'm just going to throw it away. So from now on, we'll just be like, well, we didn't want to be caught for murder. Right. Anyway, so we I, sure not to I was just covering my tracks. That's exactly. all. One of the fingernails found had chips of nail polish still attached. And scientists ran tests against a bottle of polish found at the craft's home. Holy crap. I know. They went through a lot. That is some serious polish. If it can survive a worshiper. I mean, <laughs> she had some really good ass polish. I need to know like this that, brand. Like OPI or something? I don't know what that was. <laughs> Uh, the polish had the exact same chemical makeup as the one found on the nail. Ugh. These were great pieces of evidence, but it still couldn't prove that Hella was dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's so, just missing some fingers and toes. No big no deal. No big deal. Yeah. Oh, her and teeth. Oh, God. 
But the rest of her is out there somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> She's just walking around without it. Right. Canary Islands. Like, yeah, I'm getting a tan. So detectives got a chipper nearly identical to the one Richard had rented, and they decided to run some tests. Oh, God. Oh, they actually showed some of these tests when I was watching a show about it. They ran a pig through it. Since, oh, God. Since their skin and bones are similar to <laughs> Did they to also humans. put nail polish on it to see if it stayed on? <laughs> they should have. I think they under under. And investigated this because they should have covered all their bases. I don't Ooh, think they did. Honey, that. what did you do at work today? Well, I painted I painted the nails on a on a pig, um, and then I put it through a wood chipper to see what went on. Of course, they have hooves, don't they? Right, I'd have to paint a hoof, I guess. I do know. that once they ran it through. The chipper produced a certain type of cut pattern on the debris that matched the pattern left on the bones found in the river. They were able to examine the tiny pieces of bone and the skull fragments were almost, were the most important forensically, proving that she couldn't be alive since the force of the cuts came from inside of the skull, not from the outside. And they were able to find also from the bone that they belonged to someone with typo blood, like Hella. The tooth that was found also matched Hella's dental records. I mean, the fact that they're they're comparing this to a someone i mean do, do they do they regularly find humans inside yeah. of the paper? i mean <laughs> i know I, oh let's hope not i feel like this isn't a far like this isn't far reaching you know this <laughs> is like I, i'm pretty sure we know who it would have been but okay right. so since drops of hella's blood was found in her bedroom police believe she was bludgeoned at the foot of her bed during the night perhaps when she was changing the sheets because she was bending over they think Richard then carried her body to the basement where he placed the body into his new freezer. He tried to clean up the blood with towels. He later washed, but it didn't remove the microscopic blood evidence. By that night, Hella's body was fully frozen. So they believe he chopped her body into pieces with the chainsaw, then returned those smaller body parts back to the freezer to refreeze them. <sighs> then left under the cover of night, took the parts wrapped in garbage bags because they found minute pieces of plastic in there. Out to Lake Zor, where he ran through, through the wood chipper. Ooh. Police believe the mail found with Hella had been in her robe pocket, and that's how they were also in the in the debris. The chipper in the debris. shit. There you go. In the chipper shit. In the chipper. <laughs> <laughs> when Joseph Hines had passed Richard on the road, police think ah, the deed had already been done, and Richard was basically cleaning out the chipper with fresh wood to clean it. Oh God! Mm-hmm. In the yeah. middle of a storm. In the middle of a storm in the middle of the night. So in November of 1989, Richard Crafts was found guilty of murder in a second trial. The first trial had resulted in a hung jury. How? Yeah. <laughs> it was because of the absence meh. of a body. Yeah. <laughs> meh. What do you guys think? Guilty? Not guilty? Meh. meh. All right. That guy left. <laughs> it was kind of like someone just didn't agree and then they just left. So they couldn't come to an agreement because that person wouldn't come back. Um, His resulting conviction was Connecticut's very first murder conviction without a body. So they had a portion of it. They, they had peace little. I I don't know that there was a body to find. Yes. And that's why I think he thought he could get away with it because there was no precedent for getting murder charges without a body before that. No body, no crime. Uh But Richard was sentenced to 50 years in prison. And so get this, as of January of 2020, 82-year-old Richard was released to transitional housing for veterans in Bridgeport. No. He served a dramatically shorter sentence because of an old sentencing law known as statutory good time. The law, which has since been changed, thank God, allowed for large amounts of time to be taken off of a sentence as a reward for good behavior in jail. Good behavior. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say it. Mm. Pisses me off. I know. It's ridiculous. In all, he spent 32 years behind bars. 32 of 50. Of 50. Mm-hmm. But he's freaking 82 now, so he's 83. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Still. I know when they came to arrest him, it was like at night, like 11 p.m., and he's like, they're like, sir, you're, you need to come in, you know, and, and it's time you have to come in. We're arresting you. And he's like, I'll take care of it in the morning. I'm tired. <laughs> And they're like, mm, you know, you need to come with us. And he's like, 
no, I'm not going. And they were like, I'm getting a good night's rest. (laughs) Right. And he had all those guns and they knew he had all those guns. So it was very tense for many hours before they finally were able to take him in. But it's like, no, I'm tired. No. Ballsy. Ballsy. <laughs> Especially he was a part-time cop. He kind of knew. Kinda. Oh, my God. Maybe they didn't do that at the mall. Yeah, come to my house at a reasonable hour, and then I'll come in and talk to you. <laughs> yeah. As of right now, I'm going to go watch The Tonight Show and go to bed. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> you. I am tired. <laughs> we don't do this with, with at my mall cop job. Wow, exactly. We only do daytime hours. Wow. Wow, that's ballsy. <laughs> I think he thought he was untouchable. So, But that is where... Fargo got the idea. Seriously, it is. Yeah, Fargo. And the blood in the snow. And yeah, the, yeah, that's where they got the idea for their. I didn't realize that was based on something it that was really true. happened. <laughs> but they made it so funny in the movie. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that that was wow. Yeah. What you? I keep turning. Okay, so the sound is off. So why does it keep doing it? Is it? Do you have certain people that? Oh, are maybe I allowed do. to go through. Maybe I that's it. Always consider that I should do that, but then my parents are up at like four in the morning, so I don't want to do that for them. Oh yeah. <laughs> what exactly is your idea of an emergency call? Yes. <laughs> Can you? You have to call three times in a row if you want oh it to God. really go through. Right. Oh geez. Okay. All right. Did you want to hear my sources? I would love to hear your sources. You're going to be super shocked by the first one. It's Wikipedia. (gasps) I know. I know. Current. current Current.com. It's C-O-U-R-A-N-T. Current. Oh. I thought you said like crunch or like cronk or like cronk. (laughs) (laughs) We're watching the Groots, but. (laughs) Newtownb.com. Murderpedia. Mm -hmm. Forensic Files. And they actually have a good name for this one. The Disappearance of Helicrafts. There you go. That forensic files did not have some weird. Boy, you know, did they they miss their opportunity there. Big they could time. have. They could have done something wow. huge with it. Sandy Hook Elementary School is in Newtown, Connecticut. <gasps> That's what it is. I That's thought Sandy why. Hook was the name of the, of the town too. too. Okay. We were both right. How funny! Wow. I was like, how do I know? keep thinking of Newtown as a shooting? Ugh. Okay. To see images from this story. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ODFM Podcast, or on our website at odfmpodcast.com, where you'll also find a link to our merch store, where you can get awesome stuff like t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and more. And if the weekly podcast just isn't enough to fill your ODFM cup full, join our fan club on Patreon for more content like minisodes, bloopers, and discounts at our merch store. That site is patreon.com slash ODFM podcast. And if you do love our bloopers and need more than we naturally do, which is a lot, buy us a glass of wine at buymeacoffee.com slash ODFM podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM, hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful.